The message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. Shall we pray? Sweet Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for preparing this moment. And we know, God, that when you speak to us, There is nothing else that beats it. We trust that you're going to speak into our situation this morning. You will speak solution to our questions, Father. You open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. And I submit myself to you, God, that you will use me. Let me not speak from my own wisdom or understanding. But use me, God, to speak your wisdom to our situations and circumstances. We believe in you, God. We trust you because we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. And this was Jesus um, speaking to the people in the book of Matthew. By the way, if you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. Turn to someone and say, hey, nice to see you today. Amen. So Matthew chapter, seven, uh, chapter 6. In verse 25, Jesus was talking about Worry. He was telling the people, why worry? Why? How many of you by worrying can add anything to your life? Can, you know, you can make your life better by worrying. How, how many of you? You know, in verse 25, it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. It's not life more than food. I think that's a good question. It's not life more than food. I'm not quite sure what triggers your worry. But whatever, regardless of what triggers your worry, it's not, as, it's not better than the life itself. Is it? I don't think so. I don't think it's better than life itself. So he said, it's not life. More than food and the body, more than clothes. And then he, he called our attention to consider. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bands. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And I like the way he said your heavenly father. So in other words, we've got a father who cares for us. He is a father. He didn't call him your heavenly master. He didn't call him your heavenly uh, boss or your evil meter in heaven. But rather, he called him your heavenly father. And the quality of a father is to care. 
If you were here on Friday, oh, it was amazing. I loved it. How many of us were here on Friday? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. How that, the life that we live, whilst it has this whole, um, you know, dilemma, but God cuts through that and reaches out to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 8, he said, whereby we call him Abba Father. Because the spirit of God dwells in us. So look at the birds of the air, verse 26 again. They do not sow or reap or store away in bands, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So he asks, are you not much more valuable than birds? Are you? Question for you. Are you more valuable than birds? I think you are. I think you are. God did not, according to Genesis chapter 1, God did not create birds in his image and likeness, but rather he created you in his image and his likeness. So he decided that you will carry his image, his qualities. So he loves you that much. So he's saying, are you not much more valuable than the birds of the air that God feeds even without them trying to work it out? You know, Pastor Osas used to say, I've never seen a bird waking up early in the morning and getting his briefcase and saying, I'm going to work. It never does. It just flies around. That's all they do. They just fly around. And then when they are hungry, somehow you go to McDonald's and buy food that is much more than you can eat. Then halfway through, you're too full and you throw the other part on the way path. And you just didn't realize that God just answered that bird's prayer. You're more valuable than the birds of the air. In other words, God loves you so much. So, in other words, if he can feed the bird who are not made according to his image, how much more he's willing to do for you? He's willing. He's willing. Talk about capacity. He's got much more capacity to do. So he's willing to do that for you. So stop getting worried. All right, let's go ahead. Verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single R to your life? Oh, good question. And we almost know the answer, right? No, no one. You say, I'm just going to worry so that I can all my gray beards will go. <laughs> it won't. The white has started coming out in the hair, and I'm, every time I look at it, I go, oh, God. And I try to pull it out. But it's only for a short time that I can pull them out. Very soon, it will form 90% of my whole hair. And then what I do? I'll just go bald as, as that man over there. Well, that would be a solution, isn't it? But regardless... By worrying, can I make myself younger? Can I add an R to my life? No. By worrying, can I get better by worrying? No. No. Actually, worrying ages you. You may be 21, but you're looking 35. By worrying... 
And yet there are some people who just look younger every day. I love my wife. She looks younger every day. Every time I look at her, I go, you're not as old as you are. You just tell me, are you sure? Did you tell me the truth the first time? Are you actually as old as this? By the way, she turns 40 next year. And, but, but, but she doesn't look it. Yes, good. So I call her my better half. So that's the better part of me that don't go old. But it's good. See, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the King Solomon in the Bible, who was the richest and the wisest man in the Bible, uh, in the Bible days, he said, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of those flowers. He said, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. In other words, they die, you, you know? Okay, it's thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? And then he put on an interjection in. Oh, you of little faith. In other words, if you, have, if you can believe God more, he can do much more for you. So swap your worries for believing. Trust him more. Trust him more. Why? Because the Bible says in the book of First Peter, it says, everything you ever need for life and to live a godly life is already given to you as a child of God. So why not trust him to be able to use up all of that? Not quite sure what they were talking about, but I, I, I remember saying, draw on your eternal life. Draw on your eternal life. You've got eternal life as God's children. Eternal life is no, does not start when you die. No, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, your eternal life begins. So it is when we don't understand what eternal life is, that's when we don't take advantage of eternal life. Eternal life is not just the length of days. It's the quality of your life. That's not the path we're going today, so don't let me digress. Verse 31. It says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who don't know God, he says, run after all these things and your heavenly fathers know your heavenly father know that you need them. He knows that you need them. And we're not only just talking about work or finances or anything. It's also about health, well-being. Your heavenly father knows that you need your health. He knows. He knows. Okay, I'm just going to quickly steal you from there and take you to the next chapter. Chapter 7, verse 7. And it says, ask, and it will be given to you. So instead of worrying, he's asking you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you for everyone For everyone. 
Did you see that? Or it's only my Bible? For everyone who asks, everyone, and everyone can, you know, an, a synonym for everyone could be anyone. Right? So there's no qualification that you need to achieve or attain to ask. So anyone, regardless of your situation or circumstances, anyone who asks receives. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. So instead of finding or spending your beautiful time worrying, why not just spend that time asking and seeking and knocking? Why? Because Jesus said in the previous chapter, he said, because your father knows you need them. He knows you need them. He knows you need them. In other words, he's waiting for you to ask. And if he's waiting for you to ask, I'd rather spend my time just asking. Then spend it in worry. Oh no, God, what am I going to do? For students, they always go, my fees are due, my fees, my fees. Oh God, what am I going to do? How many of us have been there? All right, it's due. What am I going to do? And especially for international students, they go, oh, we're only allowed to work 20 hours, so how do I raise my fees? Of course. But hey, your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. So all you've got to do is to ask him. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open. Verse 9, he said, which of you, I like this part. This is one of my favorite scriptures of the Bible. He said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? No matter how wicked you are, <laughs> no matter how really terrible a parent you are, if your son asks you for bread, the worst that can happen is, I don't have it. Right? But he said, which of you, if your son, if your child asks you for bread, you give them a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, you give them a snake? He said, if you then... Though you are evil. Now, the word evil here does not mean though you are wicked. It says though you are humans who can fail at any time, who can disappoint at any time. You know, we, we do that a lot. People trust you to come through with few things and you always disappoint. We, just, we do that. We're humans. But he's saying if you being human, if you who have the capacity to disappoint, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you get that? So if you know how to give good gifts to your children, you know, I said it here last week, I said, I really didn't understand completely the 
fatherly qualities of God until I started having my own children. And I realized no matter how terrible they are, I will always love them. Always love them. They come to me and go, Dad, I'm hungry. Regardless of what they've done, I wouldn't tell them, no, you're not eating today because you, don't, you did something like this. I will always prepare for them. I will always make reservations for them. In the fridge, the food that is there is for them. Whether they can eat it now or eat it later is still for them. Regardless of what they do, it's for them. Say it with me, it's for them. Of course it's for them. And that's my responsibility as a father. So as your heavenly father, God's got a responsibility to take care of you. So all he's asking you is, if you do need anything, ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. So stop worrying. Stop worrying. You know, I was studying a few days ago and I was looking at the causes of anxiety. It comes a lot from worry. And at times you don't even know that you're actually worried about a particular thing until you start to introspectively ask yourself, what, what, what am I doing? What, why am I always feeling this way? You know, at times I, I just feel worked up. I'm talking about myself now. I just feel worked up. And I'm driving and I'm feeling worked up. And everyone that is driving past me, I'm feeling like, you're too slow. Just come on, go on. And at times I start to ask myself, Michaels, Michaels, I do this. I call my own name to just get my attention. Michaels, calm down. Why are you worried? Why are you anxious? Oh, you're running late for work. Great. But how about if you really run right now and you don't come back home? You've got kids that love you. You've got a wife that loves you and wants you to come back home. The worst that can happen is you get fired. And you get another job. That's the worst that can happen. But that won't just happen the first time. So calm down, Michael. Stop being worried. Stop being anxious over slow traffic. I'm not sure what represents slow traffic in your life. You're thinking there's some things that I ought to have, you know, achieved by now. But yet, at this particular age, it feels like nothing is working. It sounds like slow traffic in your life. Hey, calm down. By worrying, you can make the traffic run faster. And at times I see red lights, and the, the, the last car just waited for the amber to come on before it started moving. And then, as I'm about to move this red light, I just thank God that I don't know how to curse. But in my head, I'm going, come on. But you see what happens. Please follow me here. See what happens up until that point. I thought we were, you know, we're driving slow. In 80 zone, we're driving 45. So I felt really, really frustrated until the red light that stopped me. And after 30 seconds, a minute, depending on what kind of traffic like you are at, then the road opens up. And then there is a whole free road for you to roam. Think about it, what happens at that point. When you know all of a sudden you can drive 80, 
you feel happier. I can drive 80 now. Nevertheless, what changed? It is not the road conditions that changed. The traffic that stopped you helped you to introspect. It stopped you for a while. And now as you are about to move, there's a space ahead of you. If you had beaten that red light, you probably would have still remained behind the slow traffic. And you will only keep worrying. But now that the condition has stopped you, and you're feeling like, okay, I don't have any option but to just wait. And then the green light comes up. What happens? You've got a free road to roam. You run faster now. You probably might still meet the other car at the front later. But now you can run faster. At times in your life, it's the way we perceive things that makes us feel like it's slow, that makes us feel like I'm not achieving. I don't know what I'm doing right now. It feels like nothing is working. But put into perspective, you are still in motion. You're still in motion. And the motion is what determines, are you moving forward or not? Are you moving forward? Regardless of the speed, are you moving forward? So the first thing I will be suggesting is, number one, take cognizance of where you are at and be grateful. Could be worse. And I've always thought about it. At times when you're waiting for a red light to turn green, and then you're thinking, well, it's almost one minute. It's not turning green. And the questions that come to my mind is, what if this red light is broken and it's never going to turn green? And you know you really can't move. You're going to be there. What if? But it isn't. It's for a while. You move again. So while you spend that time waiting behind red, red light, take that time to breathe. God, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. Thank you for what you are saving me from. Thank you because that baby can go upstairs, can't she? Beautiful. She's been asking mom, mom, take me upstairs. And mom think, no, I can't take you upstairs. I need to hear this word. God bless you. So Jesus is saying, hey, why worry? Don't worry. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Unless otherwise, he's not your father. So the first question you ask yourself is, is he my father? Because if he's your father, he will look after you. He will help you. He will fix things in your life. Is he your father? Is he your father? Hey, all right. That question is for you now. Is he your father? Can you trust him? Would you trust him? Are you willing to trust him? The 
see, there's a difference between him being my father and being able to trust him. And at times, I don't blame some people because of our background, because we've really never understood, you know, what it means to have an amazing father. But I want to invite you for a moment to think about if you were a father, the kind of father you would love to be. And what Jesus has said in chapter 7 is that God is better than that. God is better than that. He beats our imaginations when it comes to offering good gifts. Say amen. amen. So why worry? I'm not sure what you're going through in your life, but why worry? Of course, you know, there's, there's situations that you can't, you can't but just worry because it's almost like something that is programmed into us. Though your first response when you hear uh, not so good news is to worry. What can I do? What will I do? What should I do? But can I suggest in another way to do that when you hear a not so good news instead of responding with, oh God, What's going to happen to me? How about remembering your father and go, God, did you hear that? Thank you. And it takes discipline. And it takes knowing God to actually be able to thank him in spite of what you're going through. So if you call him your father and you can trust him, try it out. Trust him. So an antidote or the antidote to worry is faith. Faith. So when you ask in faith, when you ask in faith, Jesus says it is possible. God is willing and able to do that for you. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything, but in prayer and by, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious for everything. How about pray about it? How about be grateful for where you are at? Can we do that? What I'm asking you, I understand from a logical perspective, it's tricky. It's, it's not the first thing that comes to your mind. But you can look at it this way, that not everything you can reason away. If logical explanation can explain away worries, everyone will be doing it. So not everything you can reason away. But how about tapping into something that is way higher than your logical explanation of how these things came to be? Because to be honest with you, if you could logically explain it, you wouldn't worry about them. So instead, why not just trust God to come through on your behalf? So, so Philippians chapter 4, 
Verse 6, he said, be anxious. Don't be worried for anything, but in everything that you do, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Make your request known unto God. In other words, go to the, to the part of prayers and go, God, I'm not quite sure what to do, but I know you know everything. I know you can do everything. I know Jesus said you can do anything and everything. So, hey, here's my situation. I want to pull something out of that verse. Say by prayer and supplication. I want us to think about prayer for a moment. What's prayer? What's prayer? What's prayer to you? Mm -hmm. What's prayer? Having a conversation with God. I like that. Any other person? What's prayer to you? Because it depends on how you perceive prayers. Some people feel like you can only pray when your eyes are closed and you're, you know, in a particular, you know, posture. That's not what prayer is. Your positioning might be pious, but what you're telling God might just be one-sided. Because when it's a conversation, it's having a conversation with God. It's just like if I'm talking to you, I expect you to respond back. Like I'm talking right now, some of you are nodding, and that is, you know, um, non-verbal response, and I love that. But if you weren't doing that and you were just looking at me like, I'm going to go, well, no one is really listening to me, even though your eyes are open. So you're responding back as I'm speaking to you, right? So same thing with prayer. You just don't go one way, God, 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 you look at me, I'm going crazy, everything in my life is going and then after all of that, you just stand up and walk away and then expecting God to do it. Probably God wanted to give you an idea, but did you wait to hear an answer? Did you wait to hear back from him? So prayer is a conversation. And I, I'm not quite sure where I was saying it. I think it was in call, uh, call academy. And I said, when you pray, it's not about closing your eyes. Because whether you close or open them, God still hears you. God does not hear you through his eyes, his ears you, through his ears. Right? And that's how we hear people, isn't it? When you speak, I hear you auditory. All right? Not visually. I could see you talk, but if you are not making any sound, it makes no sense to me. But God wants you, and the reason why speaking is important, it means that you believed it first before you speak it. So you know there's a particular condition that you want God to change, and now you're coming to God and saying, God, there's this condition. Say, I'm aware. What would you like me to do about it? I'd like it changed. Okay. How do you want it to be changed? You know, God can have that kind of conversation, the right straight down conversation with you. I tell you, a few years ago, when I was in my second year in university, um, I can't quite remember what year it was. I think 1998, 99. I went to school, and when I got back, things I just knew things were not working well. 
had not paid my fees. And aside from the fees, uh, the house where I was living, uh, the landlord wanted a year's payment. Because there were other people that had offered more. <laughs> so we that had been there, the landlord wanted a full year's payment, just a way of kind of discouraging us. Or we'll look for somewhere else to live. So I was a bit frustrated. I wasn't quite sure what to do. I knew there was nothing else I could do to get that whole year's payment. I was a student. I recognized how worried I was. And I got into my room after coming back from school. In fact, from school, I, I, you know, I was just worried. And I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I got into my room, got out two chairs. I actually did this. Got out two chairs sat on one and said, God, that's your chair. And I'd like to have a conversation with you. I'm not sure what to do now. I'm not sure where to go. I can't run back home because home is far. But you've got to tell me what to do. I don't know where to get this money from. So I just sat there. You know what? For an hour, I was just there sitting down. When I'm tired of talking, I just keep looking at the chair. And halfway through, I felt peace in my heart. I just felt peace. That regardless of how bad it is, where will I go? So I felt peace and I thought, yep, that's done. Stood up, walked away. You know what? Within the week, all my other friends in the other rooms, they moved out out of fear because they weren't sure what the landlord was going to do. And two weeks later, I was still there. The landlord had not come back to me to say, hey, Where's your whole year's money or move out? Two months later, six months later, nothing. You know what? Back then, we used to pay every three months. Every time I went back to him and gave him money, he just says, thank you. But he had sent us a letter initially to say, guys, you either pay me one full year or move out, and I'm give you, giving you two weeks' notice. I sorted out my worries with God in the room and God took care of it. Did I pay one full year ahead? No, I did not. I still paid as I used to pay. But did God sort it out? He did. You see, there are ways God sort things out. At times, he might provide you the whole funds to do all of that. But that was not the situation back then for me. Instead, he fixed it with the landlord. Do you know why? Because Psalm 24 says, verse 1, it said, the earth belongs to God and everything, everyone, every situation in it. So he knows how to fix things to suit you. I believe so. Because it's happened a number of times in my life. I could stand here and tell you 10 things without trying to think. 10 things that God has done for me in the point where I felt like things were going to end really badly. And I went to him and said, God, I'm not quite sure what to do. And he came blazing through. All I'm saying to you is, don't worry. Trust him. He can do anything. Stop worrying. How about try it? Just try it. Try it. So when you get to the point where you're starting to worry, just go, oh. 
care about my father who is in heaven. Think about him. John chapter 15. And I hope this is going to be my last verse. Verse 7. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, what's the next one? Ask whatever you wish. How good is that? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And what will happen? And it will be done for you. So the question is, do you believe that? Because if you believe it, that is an ammunition that you will use in the time of trouble. Psalm chapter 50, verse 15, he said, But call upon me, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will give me glory for it. And I'm telling you this because he's ready to do for you whatever you ask. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So in other words, if you continue to be my child and committed to me and you're doing the things that you know by the Spirit of God is what I want you to do, and that is working by God's will, he says, ask whatever you will. Ask whatever you will. Ask whatever you will. Think about it, my, myself and my kids again, right? If my kids are doing everything I want them to do, I'll preempt them. I'll give them whatever they want. Actually, last night, uh, I'm not sure if I want to tell this story. You probably might look at me and go, oh, no, Marcus, that was bad. We had a movie night last night at home, and mom went, got out the popcorn and, and chocolates, we're talking about 7 p.m. And lollies, <laughs> lots of them. Think about it. My kids were going crazy. Went, yeah, you're the best dad in the world. I said, yeah, I know. But at that time of the night, they shouldn't be having lollies. But I just thought, you know what? Whatever happens, yeah, I'm here. Worst case scenario, they don't go to bed by 10. So I'll, I'll handle it. It's okay. But you know what? That was me just telling them, hey. I'm going to spoil you tonight. Because usually I don't allow them to have lollies, too much lollies. We can have a packet of chocolate at home, and it will last for two months. Because no one is touching it. It's not that they, want, they don't want to eat it. I don't allow them, because I'm always saying, hey, no, 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 no. Your teeth, your teeth, your teeth. So no one touches them. But yesterday I thought, you know what, let's do it. Let's go crazy. So we got lollies out. The whole... Coffee table was full of all the sweets in the world. And we were watching a movie and they were eating lollies. And I thought, yeah. And all I loved, they were saying was, Dad, you're the best in the world. Think about it, how that made me feel. Come on. So think about Psalm 50 verse 15 again. It said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. And you will give me glory. And what do you think about when you give God the glory when he does deliver you? He feels proud of you. He feels like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. 
I'm going to do it again. Psalm 23, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you know what? That was a prophecy. He was saying what God is to him. He, he possibly had been in conditions or situations where he felt like he was alone. But it was time for him to declare what he believed in God. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me. He did not say he will make me. He said, he makes me lie down. So he believed in the active works of God. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. So in other words, it's continuous tense, present continuous tense. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He's not saying he restored as in what he's done. Or he will restore as in what he's going to do. But rather he said he restores. In other words, every day that I live with him, he restores my soul. Regardless of where I'm at, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I work through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because I know who is with me. His rod and his staff comforts me. He prepares a table before me. So he knows I've got troubles all around. But he says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies or the circumstances or the ill health or the incapacity to be able to do anything. He prepares a table before me. In other words, he wants us to party. Regardless of how bad things are, he wants us to party. In the presence of my enemies, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. In other words, he annoys me much more than I needed. Because for it to overflow means that it's in abundance. Much more than you require. He annoys my head with oil and my cup overflows and said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in God's house forever. Amen. Amen. So David knows what he was talking about. He knew I'm going to connect to God this way and I'm going to speak his word in my life because that's how you to keep it active. He said, if you remain in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will. And how do you show that your words, his words abide in you? By speaking his word back to him. By speaking his word back to him. You said in your word, if I shall ask anything in your name, you will do it. Thank you, because this situation is not unique. You can fix this. I may be in this condition right now, but hey, it's just for 24 hours. It's just for three days. It's just for the seven weeks that the doctor said, but I know my hand will work again. I know that thing in my body is disappearing because you can do anything. You love me so much. You see, when you start to talk to God that way, Hey, there's nothing he cannot do because he knows that you trust him, you believe in him, you trust in his capacity, so he will do anything for you. So it says, ask, seek, and knock, and everything will be done for you. Everything. Can I suggest to you, quit worrying. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. I know it's not easy to just stop worrying, but practice. Practice. When you find yourself worrying all of a sudden, just go, stop yourself, go, oh, all right, I've been worrying actually. 
But how about, let's trust God for a moment, can I? Let's trust God for a moment. You know you can speak to your body? You can speak to your mind? You can speak to it? And then you can speak to your circumstances and go, hey, circumstance, stop controlling the way I feel. I've got a God who answers my prayers. And I'm going to speak to you right now. My mind, I'm not sure you're running a thousand miles per hour. But hey, you're going to slow down because God is in charge of this body. I'm not sure, you know, you probably might have a particular illness in your body. It's time to start speaking to it. To say, hey, you've been there for quite a while. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember when you started, but you are about to stop. Because God is taking over now. You can confess God's word to him. You can. You can. The Bible says in John, I said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own messes. In other words, when you start to look at the things, the negative things around you, you forget how good God is. You forget what he can do. But rather, when you look up to God, I love that psalm. I think Psalm 136 says, I look up to the mountain from whence comes my help. Where does my help come from? Is it from the mountain? No, he said, rather, my help comes from God. Who made the heaven and earth and the mountains? So regardless of how big your situation or your trouble is, it looks mountainous. Hey, look up to God. Look beyond the mountain. Look up to God. He can do anything. Can I say that again? He can do anything. I'm, I still keep pushing this. He can do anything. I feel very strongly that there's someone in this house that has been worrying for quite a while. You can't even remember you know, when this started, but you've been worrying about this particular situation in your life. But God is speaking to you this morning. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. Stop now. Stop. Stop yourself. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how Jesus went to that man uh, at the pool of Bethesda, and that man has been there for how many years? 48 years, and he was paralyzed. He couldn't move himself. And the reason why he was by the pool of Bethesda was there was a pool there that every once in a year, the angel comes and stirs the water, and the first person that goes, gets into the water gets healed. But he was always there, and Jesus came by and said, hey, what can I do for you? And the man, instead of going, hey, I want to be healed, I just want to be well. But instead, what did he do? He started complaining. Uh, you know, I've been here for 48 years, and every time I want to get into the pool, no one is there to put me in. And just before I get in, someone else goes in. So that's why I've not been healed. So we all do that on a daily basis. Why things are not working well? But Jesus is asking today, do you want to be healed? What do you want me to do for you? And it's your time to take the center stage and go, God, Heal me. I know you've already done it, but I want to walk into the reality of your finished works. Can we stand on our feet? I want to walk into the reality of your finished works. I want to quit worrying. I want to stop thinking how is my life going to develop, but rather to look at what you have the capacity to do because you can do anything and everything. You've got a father. Who looks after you. And Jesus calls him your heavenly father. Your heavenly father. He can do anything.
So quit worrying and start trusting. Start loving him. Start believing in him. Start believing that he can change anything. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can I pray for you? Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you for your works. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for taking over our lives, God, for our good. And Lord, this morning, we consider this very moment the end point of our worries. And we're taking a new step towards trusting you, God. Much more trusting you for your providence. Trusting you for health. Trusting you for mental well-being. Trusting you for financial providence. Trusting you for any situation that has been tormenting us for the last how many years in our life. But trusting you, God, that you can do this. Because you set a table before us. In the presence of these circumstances. And we know you can do this, God. So we give it up to you. We give it up to you. Thank you because from now onwards, every effect of worry in our life is reversed. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, that every sickness, every form of ailment, illness in our lives is dying right now. In the name of Jesus. Because you've set your people free, we'll continue, we'll continue to enjoy that freedom, God. We we'll praise you. We we'll love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com.